I speak to you in the name of the living God, who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. So obviously today is one of my favorite days of the church year. I even have my red shoes on. It holds a lot of sweet memories for me. Way back in the day when I was a youth minister, um, I would always have a lock-in the Saturday night before, um, before Pentecost, and we would get up super early in the morning before the 8 o'clock service, and we would blow up a gazillion helium balloons, and we would tie red streamers all over the church. We really got that place tackied up for the Pentecost Sunday. It was so, so fun. And then my last Sunday at my last church um, at St. Andrews, before the, before the Holy Spirit carried me off to seminary, my last day actually fell on Pentecost, which was so special. Just like today, everybody was dressed in a sea of red and we had a Pentecost picnic. And then, and then... Just last October, when I was ordained here as a priest, normally the bishop asks everybody to wear white stoles and white vestments, but I requested that we wear red. And I requested that we wear red to symbolize the Holy Spirit coming down and making me a priest. Y'all might remember, those of you that were here, as the chasuble laid out, my girls picked up the chasuble and held it over me and dressed me in it. It was certainly a special day that I will never, ever forget. The day of Pentecost is special and it's unrepeatable. It's like Christmas Day or Good Friday or Easter Day or Ascension Day. They're annual celebrations that we celebrate every year, but they happened once and for all. Today marks a pivot point in our church where the first half of the year where we focused on Jesus' birth and his life and his death and his resurrection, but the second half of the year from today on where we will focus on how to live as Jesus did. After today, I always like to call this season the great green growing days of Pentecost. So today... We ask the Holy Spirit to come and breathe on us. Unless you or someone you love have had surgery or lung or heart issues before 2019, you might not have paid much attention to your breath. And then in early 2019, or was it 20? Yes, 2019, um, when we started hearing about COVID-19 and how it spread, we were scrambling to find masks. I don't know about you, but in my household, we looked up YouTube videos and tried to figure out how to make a mask out of a pair of socks. Did any of y'all do that? I, it never worked. Or a t-shirt. We couldn't find a dang mask anywhere. And I'm not sure we ever thought so much about the act of respiration or breathing as much as we did that year. Man, how things have changed. Our breath is how we live. It's also the vehicle of spreading around whatever is in our lungs and in our noses. Sometimes 
Spirit is translated as breath in the Bible. Spirit and breath, both invisible, powerful, and necessary for living. Now we know that the word spirit can be a little obscure sometimes, as one of my commentators notes how the word spirit gets drained because of the overuse of using it. We hear about school spirit, and it makes us think of um, team spirit, or even in the Christmas tide, we talk about Christmas spirit. It makes me think of my long gone cheerleading days when we used to go out to the middle of the field or holler out to the audience and say, we've got spirit. Yes, we do. We've got spirit. How about you? And then they would holler back, we've got spirit, yes we do, we've got spirit, how about you? And then we'd go and go until we'd say, we've got more, we've got more. Do y'all remember that? Come on, raise your hand if y'all participate. Okay, yeah, there's a few of you here. Oh, yeah. The spirit, the spirit of something can be strong and contagious It's really easy for even a calm and quiet person to get whipped up in enthusiasm by the spirit of a rally or a football game or even a concert at the very beginning, you know, when the music starts and we're waiting for the person to come out on stage. It can be so exhilarating. So today on Pentecost, we are all here in our red to celebrate the day that the Holy Spirit of God came upon the church in power for the very first time. We find ourselves again gathered with our friends, the disciples. They were gathered to celebrate the feast, the festival of the Shavuot also known as the Feast of Harvest because it celebrates the completion of the grain harvest. Or it's also called the Feast of Weeks because it took place seven weeks or 50 days after the Passover, which was when the grain harvesting began. And this day is also observed as the anniversary of the giving the law on, at Mount Sinai because it was considered as happening 50 days after the Exodus. So let's imagine ourselves right there in that room gathered with the disciples to celebrate the feast. And while the disciples were all gathered in one place, The Holy Spirit of God came in like a rush of a violent wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. Divided tongues as a fire appeared among them, and a tongue rested on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Spirit gave them the ability on this ancient holiday, holiday, the Holy Spirit makes herself known in a new and exciting way, using wind and fire. Fire is a sign of the presence of God. As Abraham discovered in a flaming torch and Moses found in a burning bush, And smoke and fire, God makes the divine self known at Sinai and in the wilderness. 
John the Baptist even promises one who will baptize with fire. On that holy day, the tongues of fire touch each person individually, and it's visible to all who are present. And just like at the burning bush, the fire does not consume them because the mercy of God is being revealed in a new and exciting, incredible way. Genesis tells us the entire creation began when the Spirit of God blew over the waters of chaos. The creation of humanity and the image of God came when the Spirit of God was breathed into Adam's nostrils for the very first time. The same wind that blew in the beginning was blowing in a mighty way on the day of Pentecost, creating something exciting and something new, the recreation of humanity into the image of Jesus requires this Pentecostal encounter with the breath of God through the Holy Spirit. The evidence of the Spirit's presence comes through these rough Galileans, fishermen, and tradespeople. At first, they were a little bewildered, and then they were amazed and astonished because each person heard and understood what was said in his or her own language. And an incredible reversal of the story of the Tower of Babel that we heard earlier from Genesis, when those proud and self-serving humanity was divided and scattered with the plurality of languages, Pentecost represents the inbreaking of God's purposes for all of humanity, bringing humanity together in understanding despite their differences. In Babel, or at Babel, humanity to try to reach up to God by building that tower, but they fell into confusion instead because it was their goal to reach up to God. But their confusion was not because God did not want to fellowship with humans. God's ultimate goal is to have fellowship with us so much that God eventually became human himself. God comes down to us. That's the way God works. God came to us in a tiny baby in a manger in humility, not in pride. The Son of God built his own reverse tower from heaven to earth, not so that we could spring our way up to heaven, but so that he could come down to us. What happened on Pentecost was another example of this very same movement. When the Spirit of God blows down from heaven, Babel is reversed. Instead of scattering, community was created. Instead of a confusion, a gospel clarity comes. Instead of a maddening barrier, the multiplicity of languages is transcended so that the same message gets through 
to everyone. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. The disciples started out in one place, gathered in a room somewhere, but the Holy Spirit moved them out into the street where people could hear them. If they stayed in that room, no one would have ever noticed them. Visitors and travelers from every place received the evidence of God's power that day as they hear the language in their own home language. There are different languages, but one message. Different dialects, but one spirit. And make no mistake, like the breath in our lungs right now, If we did not have the Holy Spirit, the church would be dead. And yet, we know that there are a number of spirits in life that we can breathe in and get whipped up by and so be shaped by. Some spirits can consume our lives. Spirit of pride, self-confidence, self-serving, arrogance. Because we are no different than those people who built their tower of Babel. Yet, only the Holy Spirit of God will bring us true and eternal life. When God's Spirit comes down and fills us, we find a purpose and a clarity and a spark of life that will not and cannot come from anywhere else. Just as our breath is a vehicle of spreading around whatever is in our lungs and in our noses, so is the Holy Spirit the power within us to spread around what lives in our hearts. And that is the love of Jesus. The Spirit keeps our faith alive when our bodies fail us. The Spirit touches us at the graveside of a loved one, allowing us to say the Lord's Prayer or the Apostles' Creed and believe those words. The Spirit pours itself out at the baptismal font and stays with our children as they grow up, sometimes going off into far countries where our prodigal sons and daughters sometimes travel. The Spirit gives us gifts and talents. They provide our life's callings. The Spirit animates our worship service and is behind every note that Michael plays on the organ, every lyric that the beautiful choir sings, every word that is spoken from the lectern, and hopefully every word that is spoken from this pulpit. The Spirit is evident in this place. The Spirit is here breathing into us and out of us and the rhythms of life so that we can go out and be disciples for Jesus. Although this day comes with excitement, wind, fire, but in actuality, the Holy Spirit quietly, ever so gently, draws our attention to Jesus. 
One of my commentators that I listened to said, the Holy Spirit really is not the jazz hands of God. I like that thought that the Holy Spirit is the jazz hands, but the Holy Spirit works quieter than that. I probably like it because y'all know I'm a lot and I like the jazz hands. But Jesus sends the Holy Spirit to do for us what we cannot do for ourselves. The Holy Spirit is our guide and our advocate, the one who points us back to Jesus again and again, the one who leads us all into truth and enables us to grow into the likeness of Christ. The Holy Spirit is the one who fills us with love and sends us out to love God and love our neighbor. So today we ask, Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on me. Amen.